Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm your host today, Jen, and I am here with the author of a truly prolific amount of books on film, uh, and we are here to discuss one of them today. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Yes, uh, my name's Ian Nathan. Uh, I come from London, as you've probably heard my accent. I have written, indeed, many film books, but uh, most recently I've written a book about David Lynch called David Lynch, A Retrospective. It's a journey back through his career. I mean, literally from childhood to to where he is now. And that is some journey to go on, I can tell you. He's an extraordinary man and it's an extraordinary kind of uh, set of films to journey through. Truly. Uh, I I love his career. I find it so fascinating and I find it fascinating how divisive it is uh, to others. Um, before we get too much into his filmography in the book, could you talk a little bit about perhaps um, what got you into writing about film and what draws you uh, to a particular filmmaker? Um, at, you know, at what point do you sort of decide that you want to write about them and investigate their career? So the, the potted history is um, I came out of university addicted to film, wanted to become a film journalist and write about film. Of course, when you're at school and university, there's no kind of file in the careers office that says write about film. You know, your parents think, is that even a job? Um, so it was a little bit of kind of inventing my own life. I got you know through a number of hurdles. I got into a magazine called Empire, which is a very big film magazine in the UK. I was there for 20 years um, and towards the end, I really wanted to get into books. I saw it's the next part of what I did. You know, I loved writing features. I loved traveling around and being part of that scene, but books was the goal. And it began with a book on Alien, the, the Ridley Scott film uh, called Alien Vault. And they, they, I mean, it was literally a case of the publisher phoned up Empire one day and said, is there anybody on your team who knows a bit about Alien? I was that, that person, I loved Alien. And so the phone was put through to me and that began my my publishing career uh, in terms of books. Uh, I think it was going to happen anyway, because it's what I wanted. And publishing is interesting. And I'm sure you, everyone knows that, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing to express yourself in a book and to be free to express your thoughts. But it's also an industry. It's it's a process. You know, publishing companies want to sell books and make money and the reality of, of how the, the publishing process works in terms of choices is I work with my publishers and I come up with ideas of people I want to write about because I have a passion for them and an interest and an idea that can make a good book. And hopefully that will align with what they see as commercial and in terms of book sales. And that's not just in terms of English language markets, you know, UK and America, that's also France and Spain, all around the world, including Korea and Japan. They have to kind of take a sense check on what authors and what subjects and what sort of uh, approaches will work. And so we get, you get into a routine of that. And David Lynch came up quite a while ago, actually. It's a subject I was very keen to write about, but a little bit intimidated about as well. You know, you're a bit like, well, can I do this? And a few other books were written in the meantime because they sort of timed with you know, i did a james cameron book i was sort of time with avatar 2 so they took precedence 
And the kind of field opened and I went to my publisher and said, is it time for David Lynch? And they sort of went, okay, I think it, it might be. And there was a lot of deep breaths and I dove in. And as I said, I said before, it's an incredible journey, but it's it was a daunting one to begin with because he is a fascinating, complicated subject. And there's some fantastic writing out there already on him. I mean, I think he's been served better than pretty much any other director I know in terms of the pre-existing appreciation and interpretation and knowledge. So that was also a thing I had to kind of negotiate and come to terms with. You know, was I going to be able to stand alongside the books already written on David Lynch? Mm, that's fascinating. And I imagine another challenge is the fact that uh, Lynch himself really resists the idea of you know, trying to apply meaning <laughs> to his work, you know? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, it it has a, um, that's a real challenge, you know, and it's very impressive, I think, to still take that on. That being said, you know, there are sort of like themes and, uh, you know, interests and concerns and fixations that you can kind of like derive from his work. Um, is there something in particular um, that drew you to his body of work? Because for me, it kind of is that like, that resistance to closure, you know, that like none of his stories really ever really give you full closure. And that's something I find super fascinating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I kind of like, I, I sort of battle with myself. I have a little bit of a mind and it might be a writer's mind where I want meaning and I want answers and I want to interpret, you know, I want to take all the ingredients and go A plus B plus C equals D and but of course, that, that in any director's life, that's that's kind of nonsense because so many other factors are at play. But with Lynch, you know, who is consciously obscure, who consciously says art doesn't have to have a meaning, that you know was both sort of an off-putting thing in a sense because I wanted to kind of decipher his work and come up with the answers, but also the most exciting thing because I could have that wrestling match. I think that wrestling match is what I love about his work, where I look at films, you know, and I began sort of with Blue Velvet uh, and then sort of come through, obviously, the Twin Peaks era and right through to uh, Mulholland Drive and onward, where I love trying to decipher his work. I love getting there, but with the kind of knowledge that I'm not going to achieve my goal. Um, so the book, I say in the introduction to the book that I'm not going to offer you solutions. I'm not going to be able to decipher. But having said all that, I can't resist the temptation to try. So the book sort of steps into that, knowing full well it's a foolhardy enterprise and that Lynch would go, yeah, you're entitled to come up with those those answers, but I'm not saying whether they work or not. And the other the really infuriating and delightful thing about him is I think he has things in his head and he has you know what the baby is in a razor head you know what it means what i think he, he has his own answer to that but he doesn't want to put it out there he doesn't want it to be on the record because he loves as you say this open-endedness and as soon as he went this is my this is my answer to those questions they won't be asked anymore so i think you know, you've got to delight in that and that's the artist it's the the nature of art is to provoke and to tempt and to kind of open up questions rather than close them down. Mm. You know, something really interesting about, um, you know, his work and the way that you describe it, I think there was at one point that you used uh, the term 
um, his movie making vernacular. You know, he has a particular film language that is or a dialect, you know, that is pretty unique to him. And that kind of got me thinking about like, you know, is film or is cinema like the product, you know, is it the thing that you put out or is it also kind of like a way of seeing, you know, like a way of interpreting the world? Like, is that something that you think is in at play in his work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he began as, a, as, as an artist in the traditional sense, a painter. Um, and I think he's still a painter. I think, you know, to this day, he's, he's still and he would probably agree. It's just his his medium has altered slightly, although he still paints an awful lot and sculpts and does all those things. And he wanted to make moving paintings. And that's what he makes. And I think that is very much a, a kind of marriage. You know, a, a modern artist would, would say that you know what they're doing is a and a marriage of interpreting something from the outside using what's on the inside. Right? So it's kind of a gross simplification, but that's kind of what they're going about. So they're using their inner tools, their, their sort of impressionistic things, their own opinions, their own passions, their own unconsciousness to interpret something in the outside world. And that very much is the case, I think, with David Lynch as a filmmaker and an artist within that framework is that he uses the filmmaking tools, the camera, the actors, the edit, um, special effects, even all the kind of the, the tools that go into filmmaking. And he uses them to create the paintings and they express strange things from within. And they, they express things from without in that, even though you know, he, he's, he's a surrealist, he also loves the tradition of film. He loves Hollywood. So his films aren't, sort of off the map so far that you can't see the traditions of film noir in them. You can't see the kind of reference points in them, that he is a filmmaker who you know, draws from other films, yet does bizarre and sort of postmodern things with all those things. So, in so, yeah, that's what's kind of endlessly interesting is that he is sort of creating a new film language, but he's not abandoning the, the the kind of the great tradition he he's he, he loves the camera and he he loves actors and he loves you know the you know Mulholland Drive is about the tradition of the blonde you know and it's just what he does with it and you know that's Hitchcockian that's kind of all those things and he would openly say that the Twin Peaks in all its glory is the murder mystery uh, he's just it goes somewhere kind of very different from your traditional murder mystery. Um, same with Blue Velvet. It's a mystery story, but yet it sort of it takes extraordinary weird slants. Mm. And I, I kind of that was one of the kind of very interesting things. It's almost to go into the the kind of the, the kind of strangeness of David Lynch, and to know you'll never get to the end of that. But also to go, well, all right, but you know there are also things that I can look at and say it means this and it's that, and that comes from there. And you know there are traditional elements if you want in his films i'm so glad that you brought up mystery and noir because that's a perfect segue for this um one of the part uh points that you make that i thought was so interesting um was this idea that so many of his uh films and the tv feature um detective type characters who sort of tread that line between uh, detective and voyeur, you know? <laughs> and what I kind of love about that is that 
you know, it makes you kind of complicit in some interesting ways while you're watching, you know, like you are also a voyeur, like with this protagonist character and you are like engaged and maybe a little titillated and like excited, you know, and then I feel like the, the show often then will like, or the movie, you know, will demonstrate that to you, you know, that you're enjoying something like a little upsetting, you know, like, do you feel like that is a, like you talk about that character, that figure and, you know, and how you think that operates. Oh, absolutely. Um, And again, it's a kind of Hitchcockian idea in a sense, the, the, the audience, when everyone who watches rear window will know that, you know, we are the James Stewart character observing the crime. You know, we're observing someone observing the, the crime go on. So it's really kind of a concentrated idea. And with Lynch, I think it's a vital constituent. And it's one of his endless teases, isn't it? He puts all these characters within his films that are us, that are asking questions, that are trying to solve the riddle. As if Lynch is saying, I know the the riddle is there, and I know the riddle needs solving, but I'm not going to let it happen. (laughs) I also think that character, obviously the the apotheosis of it is Agent Cooper in Twin Peaks, who, you know, you look at him, and you look at pictures of David Lynch, it's only from that time, they're a version of one another. And the detective character is him as well. It's it's him as the voyeur, him as the interpreter or the inquirer within the, these kind of worlds. It's him venturing in and moving around. Is that not what an artist does? They're a form of detective. They're certainly a form of voyeur. Um, so he sort of, I think, it uses it as a sort of way of bringing us in and expressing himself the uh, goddard always says you know all films are are autobiographies of their maker and of their making um that's so true with david lynch you know they are films about him and they're also films about what he does so i think he's been so interested in taking the process to the point where he can literally make it up as he goes along which is almost inland empire where he could just do things and then stop for a few months and do them again and not have a script more than something he's just sort of scribbled on a piece of paper that morning. Old Laura Dern had to learn it all almost instantly. But that was kind of, to him, I mean, I think the ultimate form of expression is you're just kind of opening up the doors to the unconscious and letting it come out, letting it free and seeing what that is. You know, there are, um, there are kind of limits to that, I think, because... I look at something like the straight story and take great delight in the fact that it it's contained and yeah, it's very strange in its own way, but it's a story you can just follow and enjoy. And you think, well, I quite like David Lynch maybe sometimes to just be a bit more disciplined and tell an, an old fashioned thing. But of course he does what David Lynch does, what, you know, what he wants to do. Um, but certainly I think this character, this archetype that crops up across his films, um, and Carl McLachlan, I think, for a long while embodied that, is the sort of the linchpin almost, if you no pun intended. It's the thing that um, makes the films kind of, or sort of anchors the films and sort of gives us uh, some way of navigating through what could be very chaotic and, and bizarre without that, you know, having the detective to follow. Mm. Speaking of his, um, you know, collaborations with actors, I've always found it pretty fascinating that, um, you know, actors, he seems to be as divisive among actors as he is among audiences in that, you know, actors seem to 
tend to collaborate with him over many decades, like Laura Dern, like Kyle MacLachlan, or they kind of work with him once and then <laughs> never, never cross his doorstep again, like um, Anthony Hopkins or, you know, even Nicolas Cage in um, Wild at Heart. Um, so, yeah, like you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe how he works with actors and what you think kind of um, contributes to that, maybe that phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can imagine working for David Lynch is sort of a, a double edged sword for actors. It's probably it's it's a wonderful thing because of his reputation, because of the the places he can take you to and the challenges he can set before you. Laura Dern will, will, will probably tell you a lot about that. Naomi Watts would tell you a lot about that. The kind of, you know, the effort it takes to be in a David Lynch film, but also, you know, the the, the kind of results and the, the level of expression you get to, to go. I mean, you know, I'll come back to Laura Dern in Wild at Heart alone. It, the kind of what she gets to do and the kind of unleashing she gets in that. She said, it, I'd never been able to play a role like that before. So certainly he offers, uh, I think, great potential for actors. But also you you very much enter into, with David Lynch, the auteur's universe, the auteur's sort of canvas. And you have to come to terms with the fact you are a brushstroke for him. And, you know, he does collaborate and he does talk, but... Many actors say, what's going on? <laughs> Why am I doing this? And he'll go, I don't know. Do you? Yeah, he'll, he'll I think, infuriate actors who need the concrete um, or at least something to cling on to, um, the cliche of I need my motivation. But I think with David Lynch, they just need a sense of why they're even there and where they're going. And he's not going to do that for you. And I think you either accept that make your peace with it and go on this you know terrifying but uh, liberating journey or you you come away frustrated i think nicholas cage had a great time on wild at heart but i don't think enjoyed that that kind of looseness that lynch wanted and i think and also i think that creates tensions both way i think lynch will resist casting certain actors again because they're not going along with what he wants. They're not doing the thing that he needs for the film. Um, so it's, yeah, I think the Coen brothers are quite similar in that respect in that they, they're very controlling. And their, their films are different. They're not sort of loose like David Lynch, but they're very controlling and they want things absolutely. And I think there are actors who loved that and understood that. Whereas Anderson as well. I think there are actors who know that's what you are part of and actors who kind of go, well, I, I want to kind of, talk to you and I want to express my ideas. You know, I can't imagine David Lynch really wants to hear their ideas. Um, <laughs> I think he enjoys the company of actors and certainly with like Laura Dern on Inland Empire, I think there was a definite sort of quite high level collaboration going on in which they created the character together going through it. But a lot of the time, I think he baffles them and frustrates actors and like he does the viewers on many occasions. And I think that can, that can be difficult. And I, and I think that might be why you can see a division between those actors who've done one or maybe two lynches and those who have become part of a kind of repertoire that he, he calls upon every time he makes a film. 
Absolutely. That makes total sense. Um, so you have some other books coming out right now, too. Uh, as I said before, you are um, very prolific. So do you want to talk about your other projects as well? Yeah, I, I, I never quite, you know, the word prolific is a strange one because, you know, <laughs> it makes it sound like you can't stop. And then I, I'm like, well, is it, is it good? Prolific? I don't know. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very lucky in the sense that I, I, I've had a chance to, to write about a lot of different filmmakers a lot of different challenges and one of the joys of what i do is the the contrasts and the you know some books i've written about filmmakers i know really well i wrote about the coen brothers i wrote about james cameron knew those subjects well recently i wrote about clint eastwood it's one i do know but it's, it was 45 films in 50 years you know it was a much different sort of sort of tableau of, of things i was gonna have to deal with and then you, you've got to kind of factor in compressing a lot of time and and work into kind of a much smaller space. So it was, it was a very different kind of challenge. Very interesting. I mean, to write about Clint Eastwood and David Lynch alongside one another, you know, one you would see as a great traditionalist and one is a kind of great surrealist. But actually, I thought there's a lot more in common than you might expect. They're both writers about America. I think that's their, their great subject. They're both uh, people who grew up in a very similar part of America and the the northwest and traveled around a lot as, as kids they both loved the traditions of hollywood and have borne those things forth and they both have quite idiosyncratic ways of making films so i found that actually they, they weren't that diversion in terms of subject they were quite there were many connections and clint doesn't make films quite as surreal as david lynch does but um that's another one of the joys as you start to see the kind of bigger world of film and how it all operates and how personalities express themselves within it. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's been a great journey of the last sort of 10, 15 years writing books. I'm writing about Mad Max at the moment, about the history of the Mad Max films. Oh. So it, it's completely different and it's Australian and it's action. Um, yet George Miller is kind of a surrealist. You know, he's kind of strange and has these wacky ideas and wacky ideas about myths and archetypes. So he's not so divorced from, from David Lynch. You know, they're all artists and they've all got their thing, but it's kind of interesting, the connections you can make. That's awesome. I am so excited for that Mad Max book. Uh, we are huge fans of those films in our household. Um, and I am I know that in particular, the making of Fury Road is sort of like a, a bonkers <laughs> experience. Oh, I mean, honestly, oh. all of them. You, you think Fury Road, you go back and look at the first film. That was just a mad. They're not called Mad Max for, for <laughs> a random reason. They're all mad. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, I hope that maybe you'll consider coming back to the show to talk about that one when that's out, because it sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. This has been really lovely. I appreciate you coming to our show. Great pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) All right, listeners, please check out this gorgeous, gorgeous uh, David Lynch retrospective. Um, One thing I haven't talked about yet is the gorgeous photography in the book and the stills from the films. It's actually a beautiful art object in itself as well. So please check it out. Hit up your favorite independent bookstore or library, wherever you like to go for your books. Thank you so much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.